All right. Well, good evening, everybody. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Well, welcome to Genesis. My name is Mike, and at Genesis, we believe in having open doors and open hearts. And so I hope that when you walked in tonight that you felt welcomed and invited, and I also hope that you came with an open heart because we have prayed and prepared for you. And so we're glad you're here. If you saw on your chair tonight, there is a, a note card and a pen. Next month, we are doing a series called You Asked For It, where we are taking questions from you guys, picking five of them, and then basing our series around that. And so uh, at some point tonight, if you think of a question, write it down, and uh, you can drop it off in the back on the way out. Uh, but tonight, we are continuing our series, 21st Century Christian, where we are looking at what it's like to follow Jesus in our unprecedented time. And tonight, we're gonna look at another unique obstacle that the 21st century offers us, and it's the obstacle of Christians wanting to be the in crowd, okay? And uh, fo- you know, followers of Jesus that, 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 wanna be, that wanna be popular within culture, popular within the world, uh, so much that they start to seek more glory from man than glory from God. And this has been highlighted recently, uh, for better or for worse, by the Instagram account, Preachers and Sneakers, okay? Okay, I'm so glad you guys know what I'm talking about. All right, uh, and most recently, Prophets and Watches, okay? That's another one. And so this, this Instagram account has caused a lot of controversy, uh, but the account is run by an anonymous person. And what he or she does, they take pictures of well-known Uh, pastors or worship leaders, and then they find what they're wearing online and they show the actual retail price of what they paid for what they're wearing. And it's like upwards of like thousands of dollars, like outrageous prices. Um, And it has started a lot of conversation about this issue. And so I thought to start tonight that we would have a little fun and that we would play our own version of Preachers and Sneakers, okay? Using our very own Jacob Malley. So Jacob, can you come ahead and come up here? Yes. He decided to sit in the back knowing he was going to come up here. It's all right. All right, let's give it up for Jacob one more time. Jacob Malley, everybody. So this isn't preachers and sneakers. This isn't prophets and watches. This is budgets and mullets. All right, here we go. Budgets and mullets, baby. All right, here we go. This is how this is going to work, all right? So coming up here in a few minutes, we're going to have some pictures up on the screen of some things that Jacob Malley has worn in real life. And we're gonna do an over under on how much he paid for this article of clothing, okay? Now he's bought on a budget and he's got a mullet, all right? So budgets and mullets. All right, here we go, over and under. Let's do the first one. So this picture, we're looking at the khakis, all right? The khakis that he's wearing, all right? And just shout out what you think. All right, we're thinking over under $15, Are we thinking under? All right, let's see. Oh, okay, we got it, $20. Uh, Jacob, give me for a second. Yeah, those are slim fit. Uh, <laughs> All right, so um, where did you get these khakis? Old Navy. Did you, did you use tithe money for these? All right. <laughs> all right, uh, let's think here. Anything else we can get uh, from that? No, all right, let's go to the next one, all right? Now, this picture, we are looking at the gray shirt that he is wearing. All right, we're going to go over under $4. Under, let's find out. 
$4.99. It was over. Where did you get this? I have a story to tell about this, actually. This is a lie, okay? This is a lie. This shirt is actually $3.44 from Walmart. He just couldn't find it online. So your pastor's a liar. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay, well, all right, let's see the next one. <laughs> all right, here we go. So are you wearing this right now? Pretty close. It's the same shirt he's wearing right now. Uh, we're looking at the shoes here, all right? The shoes, um, they are gray. That's all about, that's about all I know, okay? So the shoes, we're going to go over under $30. Got them from Ross. So you know where he got these from. Okay, well, let's see. Let's find out. $25.99 and free shipping, okay? That is like budgets and mullets. Like, that's perfect for budgets and mullets, right? Uh, No, he got them from Amazon. So you call these your Amazon 12s. They were actually $19 on the bottom. Okay, well, they went up on price. So it's because they saw Jacob wearing them. They're in high demand, so. All right, well, thank God for free shipping. All right, we're going to go one more. All right, we got two more. All right, here we go. What's the next one? All right. <laughs> He's wearing the gray shirt again. He's wearing the Amazon 12s again. Uh, and we're going to look at the jeans here, the black jeans that he is wearing. We're going to go over under $20. Oh, though he's wearing them live and in the flesh. Oh, we're saying over. All right, let's find out. <laughs> under by three cents. Hey, it's a hot deal. That is a hot deal. Uh, Old Navy, right? Old Navy. Well done. My phone is filled with links from where he shops to make this. All right, cool. So under 20, hot deal on the black jeans. All right, last but not least. Here we go. Here's the last one. Yes, the salmon shirt. Uh, The actual uh, color is Coralista, if you are interested. So we're going to go over under 10 bucks on this. Over, over. Let's see, let's see what it says. Ah, 1249 Crown and Ivy Belk, right? From Belk. Uh, I loved that we could find the exact same shirt for this one. That was amazing. So, yeah, so 1249. That's two for 25. All right, good deal. All right, well, thank you, Jacob, for playing budgets and mullets with us. Wow. I've been looking forward to that all week. That was great. Uh, So, (laughs) on a serious note, being a Christian while also trying to align yourself with popular culture is an intriguing dynamic. And so I'm excited to talk about that tonight. And it's 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 a topic that, that begs the question, are Christians supposed to be the cool kids? All right, so so often as followers of Jesus, we like to toe the line between our faith in the world, right? And we are tempted to live just enough like the world to, uh, to be popular within it, but then also live just enough like Christians to, to feel okay around our, our church friends or our friends who are believers, right? And we know that that's not what we've been called to do. We haven't been called to toe the line, especially because we hear the word hypocrite thrown out there a lot to describe Christians, right? And, and that's one of the reasons why. And so we deal with a unique challenge. As Christians, we don't want to fully 
embrace the culture, right? We don't want to fully embrace the culture. We don't want to live like the world. We don't want to adopt its practices or its beliefs. Um, and we also, we don't, we don't want to, uh, we want to be set apart, but we also don't want to fully escape culture either, right? We don't want to just sit in a corner and we don't want to be clueless about what goes on in the world. And so there is a, I believe there's a middle ground that we can find. And that middle ground is not where we're fully embracing or fully escaping, but a spot where we can fully engage the culture. And that's what we see Jesus do throughout his life. And this, this quote by Pastor Ed Stetzer puts it well. I love this. He said, Christians need to recognize that holiness is separation from sin, not separation from sinners. All right, I'll read that to you again. Christians need to recognize that holiness is separation from sin, not separation from sinners. And like I said, the life of Jesus gives us numerous examples of this. And we're gonna look at one of them tonight. And so if you would, turn to John chapter 12. If you have your Bible, it'll be on the screen. If not, John chapter 12. And we're gonna see a story of Jesus engaging the culture. And uh, we're gonna see some people who were a little too worried about being the cool kids. And so as you're turning there, I'm gonna give you some context. Jesus has just made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem where he would stay until his crucifixion. So he would be crucified about a week after this. And so he enters into the city. He begins telling the crowd that that was there. He begins saying, my time has come to be crucified. My death is gonna bring all people to me. And this is why God sent me here. And so he makes all of these powerful statements. And then we see this. This is John 36 to 41. It says, when Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him so that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard, what he heard from us and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. And so we see these people, had, they'd seen Jesus do signs, but the, even though they had seen these amazing things, they didn't believe that Jesus was who he said he was. And it says this was to fulfill what the prophet Isaiah had said about Jesus. But the next two verses are where we're gonna find our takeaway for tonight. This is 42 to 43. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And so it says here that there were authorities, right? People of power, people of status that did in fact believe in Jesus, but they were too scared in losing their in with the Pharisees to admit it. And, and, and why were they scared of that? Well, John tells us, he says that they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And here's the thing, the, the Pharisees, they were part of something called the Sanhedrin, okay? So they were the religious elite. They were the status symbols in society. They were the culture. And Jesus was not escaping them, right? He, he never did. He continuously conversed with these people. He rebuked them at times and he spent time with them. He engaged with them. But these other guys, the ones who believed in Jesus, they weren't willing to lose the approval of the Sanhedrin. They were fully embracing the culture. They drank the Kool-Aid right? The desire for human praise kept them from following Jesus in a, in a public way. They had their own agenda in mind. They, they, they had their own reputation in mind. They had their own popularity in mind. And they had prioritized all of those things over having a public faith in Jesus. They wanted to fit in with the cool kids. 
And as John tells us, it was because they craved the glory of man more than the glory of God. And in that, I believe we can see the line that we need to draw when it comes to culture, right? The moment where we start to lean away from the glory of God towards the glory of man, then we need to start reassessing some, some, some things. And so what does this look like for us? You know, I think we can often find ourselves in spots where we are tempted to succumb to things for the sake of acceptance and for the sake of approval. You know, maybe sometimes we find ourselves compromising this, this one area of our life for the sake of acceptance. Or we act differently with one crowd versus another. Or, or we allow ourselves to take part in things because that's what everybody else is doing. You know, of course, we're gonna be somewhat a product of our culture. You know, it's, you know, the music that we listen to, the clothes that we wear, the, the shows that we watch, et cetera. Even Jesus was a product of his culture, right? He was, you know, to a degree, he was Jewish. He, he fasted, he was a carpenter. He would have worn the clothes of the time, right? But culture, as we know, goes much deeper than those things. Culture can impact your decisions. Culture can impact your beliefs. It can impact your priorities. And so the problem in that though, is that culture offers godlessness in, in what we think is freedom and positivity and happiness, and I've said it before, but you can't live with one foot in the world and one foot in Christ. It's gotta be one or the other. I remember when, when Emily and I, uh, we bought our, our house uh, a few years ago. And uh, at the time we were living in a house that we were uh, renting and I loved that house. And I say that to Emily all the time, like, hey, I miss our old house. Um, and it was, it was in a great neighborhood. It was um, perfect for us at the time. And it was affordable, and I just, I loved that house. Well, the time came for us to stop renting and start, and, and start the process of buying a house. Well, we, we, uh, we bought our house, and, and like I said at the time, we were living in this house we were renting. And so for a weekend, there was like this, this overlap, right, where we had officially bought the new house, but we hadn't moved out of the old house yet. And so for a time, we had keys to both houses, right? And uh, I wish they were here tonight, but they're not. Cody and Sam... Uh, Richard, it's Pastor Rodney's birthday, so they're out to dinner with them. But Cody and Sam actually moved into that rental house when we moved out, uh, right after they got married. And so wouldn't it have been weird? You guys know Cody, right? Most of you know him. Okay, hopefully that helps you appreciate this. Wouldn't it have been weird if I would have held on to my keys to that house and told Cody, hey, I think I'm just gonna like stop by every now and then uh, just to see how it's going, what you've done with the place, uh, maybe chill on the couch, watch some TV, maybe bring my dog over, you know? That would be very strange, right? You would never do that, right? I had to give up my keys to that old house. And so I think some of us are walking around in that overlap state, right? I think some of us are walking around in that overlap state where we're walking around with our keys of the world in one hand and our keys to our faith in the other, right? And we just keep jumping from house to house, right? Hey, wanna hang out with Jesus today? Sure. Wanna hang out with the world today? Sure, still got my keys, right? No, when you move out of the house, you don't live there anymore, right? Some of us need to give up our keys to the world because if we are in Christ, we don't live for it anymore. We need to always place Christ above culture. You know, Jesus was able to engage the world without embracing the ways of the world because he kept his mind right, right? He kept his priorities straight. He, he knew who he was on earth to please and it wasn't man, it was God. And the same goes for us. Last week when we talked about comparison, I, I mentioned that one of the beauties of the gospel is that it's the great equalizer. Well, when it comes to culture, what we're talking about tonight, 
One of the beauties of the gospel is that it is the great reversal, right? It turns the values of the world upside down on their head, right? When, when, when the God of the universe willingly becomes the lowest of society, then everything changes, right? Everything gets turned upside down, right? If we claim a savior who was God in the flesh was, and, and was still willing to eat dinner with sinners, to spend time with adulteresses, to come into contact with lepers, and to die a criminal's death, then our lives should look, should look like that, right? It's not about what we can get. It's about what we can give. It's not seeing how powerful we can become, but by seeing how low we can get. Tim Keller said this well in his book, The Reason for God, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but this is what he said. These normal marks of human life, the, the accrual of money and power at the expense of others and yearning for popularity and recognition are the opposite of the mindset of those who have understood and experienced the cross. When you have let the truth of the cross sink into your soul, the way you see the world changes, right? You don't wanna be like the world. You wanna be part of the plan that redeems it, right? Your heart should break for the world. Your life is laid down for the, for the cause of Christ in the world. And so, yeah, culture matters. And we know it matters because if it didn't, when Jesus saved us, he would have just taken us right up to heaven, right? Just shot us right up into the sky. But he didn't do that. We're all still here. And so obviously we have a job to do on earth. And that job is to engage the culture and play a part in seeing it repent and turn to Christ. And so I think if we were to stop thinking of culture in this broad, abstract sense, and instead just start thinking of people, when you think of culture, think of people. Think of that one friend who needs Jesus. Think of your mom or dad. Think of that one coworker. Think of that, that, that one person in class. And instead of escaping their ways or embracing their ways, engage their life. Find that middle ground because that's what Jesus did. And when we are in Christ, we get to engage the world from a place of victory, from a place of strength, not in ourselves, but of him. We can engage the world knowing all the while that ultimately Jesus has the final say over it all. And nothing that happens within culture, nothing that happens within the world is ever going to dethrone him. And so if you will go ahead and stand up with me. Tonight as we move into a time of worship, maybe you can make a decision tonight to get rid of the keys to the old house, to, to not have one foot in the world but to have both feet firmly planted in Christ. And when you leave here and you go into your workplace, you go into your dorm room and go, in, go into your families, you can go and engage your world. You can find that middle ground and start to see it redeemed. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for tonight. God, I thank you for, uh, for bringing us here together. And uh, God, I, I, I can't begin to, to thank you enough for, for doing what you did, God, and, and the fact that the cross is the great reversal. You coming to earth when, and doing things that we didn't deserve, but you did it anyway. And so God, because of that, we wanna, we wanna serve people. God, we, wanna, we don't wanna see how powerful we can get. We wanna see how low we can get. God, we wanna engage the culture. We don't wanna escape it or embrace it. We wanna engage it. And God, we, th we thank you that, that, yes, you saved us, but you, you left us here for a reason. You left us here to be part of the plan that you have to redeem this world. And so God, I pray that we would step out of the world, step firmly into you to give up the keys to the old house. Start living for you fully and completely. And God, I pray that we would make a decision tonight as we go out of here to engage the culture, to stand firmly in you and give up the keys to that old house. In Jesus' name, amen.